Turn your Bible, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. And while you're turning there, and after you find your place there, I'm just going to take three other scriptures out of the Word of God and just read uh, just a couple of verses for you. While you're turning there to 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. any idea why that Andrew wanted to speak this morning. He told me yesterday, Dad, you're speaking tomorrow night. I said, okay, that's that's wonderful. I'm just glad I still get to do anything around here. Next, I'll be cleaning the toilets. But I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to read you just some verses. Listen. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou dealt thus with me, kill me, I pray thee out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. A victim, a prospect for suicide. Let me read you another verse of Scripture, please. I do not want to bore you. The Bible says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, Lord, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Would it be all right if I read you another scripture, please, out of the word of God? I found this today. Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Three different places in the Word of God. Christians said, I have enough. I've had it. Up to here. I'm ready to check out, but neither one of them had the courage to do it. They asked God to get in on their little selfish whims. Can I read for you, please, out of the book of First Kings? I mean, Samuel, for Samuel, for Samuel, chapter number thirty. And the Bible said, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives and 
that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David had two wives. That's what he's crying about right there. Many had two mother-in-laws. And David had two wives were taken captives, I didn't know, and uh, Jeserlite and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Greatly distressed. David has been off to battle with his 600 chosen men. For years now, David has been running for his life from King Saul. A lot of the book of Psalms is written in relation to David's prayer for God's protection from Saul. And Saul was an envious, jealous individual that made it his lot in life to destroy David off the face of the earth because David was God's chosen one and Saul was jealous and David saw that the only way that he could ever have any rest day or night was to leave Israel and he went down to the land of the Philistines there and became cohorts with the king of the Philistines and at that moment Saul quit running and trying to kill King David. David was such a warrior and such a fine man that Achish, the king of Philistia, decided to give David the city of Ziglag. David was a mighty warrior, brave, champion. The king, Achish, was the king of Gath. You ever heard of Gath? That's where Goliath came from. And I bet everybody in all that land remembered David, the giant slayer. So David now has moved his 600 men and all of their wives and their children and their families to Ziglag. Philistia was at war with Israel. And some of the generals and some of the Soldiers from uh, Philistia did not trust David because they knew that David was an Israelite, a Jew. And they questioned David's loyalty. Getting ready to go to battle, they decided that they'd rather not have David to go with him to battle because they figured that when David got over there, that blood was thicker than loyalty. They decided David was not going to go to war. While David was with Achish, there was a raid on Ziglag. They burnt the city totally. They carried away captive all the women 
and all the children. David's tired and weary from the journey. Tired and weary from the battles of life and the battles for the Philistines. And he gets home and he noticed that uh, the city's been burnt and his family has been led away captive. If that were not enough, the whole 600 men who were loyal to David began to complain and say it was David's fault that it all happened and they began to blame David. They threatened to stone him. Besides weeping for his family, he wept because of the love that had been betrayed. And the Bible says David was in great distress. They had wept until they could weep no more. Nothing will wear you out like intense crying and weeping. A broken heart will break your spirit. And your spirit will weep and moan and, and until you've broken your health. And David is now well spent, distressed, troubles on every hand. Troubles at home, troubles abroad. Troubles within and troubles without. And David is distressed. And right after distress, on the hill of distress, is discouragement. And the finality of discouragement we find in the life of Moses in Numbers chapter 11 where he says, it's enough. This congregation is nothing but a bunch of weeping, crying, murmuring ninnies and I'm ready to go to heaven. God just kill me. You take care of them for a while. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt so low you could sit on a curb and wag both feet and neither one of them touch the street? Discouragement, that's what happened when Elijah found himself under a juniper tree running from a woman by the name of Jezebel. And he said, it's enough. Take my life, I pray thee, for I'm no better than my father's. You say, preacher, you're talking about some of the greatest men in the Bible. The prophet of all prophets, Elijah. The raiser of the dead. Moses, the great general who led two and a half to three and a half million folks across the desert and organized them into a marching mighty army. He became victim to discouragement. Oh, preacher, I would never do that. Your biggest sin is lying. We need to realize we're all human. And it was Jonah who sat under the guard watching the city that had repented in, in a pity party, if you please. Oh, God, this didn't turn out like I thought it ought to. Lord, just take my life. If things don't turn out like I thought it ought to, Lord, just take my life.
and David, the one after God's own heart, the Bible said, became very distressed and wept until he could weep no more. He was probably a Texas Ranger fan. If not, he probably was following the Mavericks. And he wept till he could weep no more. Jonah. Thank God for the gourd, but the next morning God created a worm and ate up the gourd. And Jonah so fell in love with that gourd, he couldn't live without the gourd. So, Lord, just take my life if you're going to take the gourd. There's a difference between those three and David. Could I read the rest of the verse? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You can either pep up or you can pout. You can either live by faith or live by fear. You can either be a victim or a victor. You can be a statistic or you can become a sanctified saint. David knew something that the other three fellows must not have known. The one held out the ram, it turned to a serpent, threw it to the ground, and it turned to a serpent. And God said to Moses, take it by the tail. I would have said, Lord, that's the real man for me to grab. That is how you get bit by taking a snake by the tail. What you do is you turn the snakes over to Miss Ginger. She is deadly on them snakes I'm talking about. But I am learning with you tonight. Have and will feel the same emotions that made David cry a river of tears till he was extremely zapped himself of all strength, weeping and crying because of the distress that has come upon him. There's not one here tonight that has not and will not feel those emotions. Every one of us have discouraging times in our life. As the pastor said this morning, circumstances will change. People will change. Friends who have been friends will no longer be friends, and you don't understand why they're no longer friends. Losses and everything, David has found himself in the midst of all these things. His friends have turned against him. Financially, materially, all is gone. His men 
him frightfully all of these years, even in the light of King Saul, they now turned against him and threatened to stone him. Ladies and gentlemen, I say to you tonight that he had returned home to find ruin, devastation, and emptiness. The city had burnt, his family was gone, and all of his friends are against him. That's not an ideal situation unless you're planning on having a nervous breakdown. This is before Valium. Bud Light. Bud Ain't So Light. Fall Flat and Colorado Kool-Aid. He's in a mess. Have you ever been in a mess? Have you ever introduced yourself and said, my name is Ima, and you spell my last name M-E-S-S. David is having a bad day. Some of you have had occupational setbacks in the past month. Some have had domestic setbacks. That is a good word for arguing a lot. Some of you have had legal setbacks. <laughs> Some of you have had financial setbacks. None of us are without the emotions that David is feeling in the text. David is having a bad day. This is before Obama was president. One crisis after another. Car won't start, you buy a battery. Well, it wasn't a battery. You change the starter. It wasn't a starter. You buy a carburetor and you put it in the trunk because you don't know anything about mechanics. So then you hire a mechanic and he tells you your switch is messed up. We've all had a bad day. All of us at one time or another have tried to relate with our mate. And somehow or another, <coughs> their receiver is not tuned, on, tuned in to our transmitter. And somewhere between transmission and reception, there's a short in the wire. And she does not receive it in the same way that you are sending it. That's when you have a bad day. That's when she burns dinner 
on purpose. And if one crisis, come on now, you know it's true. In the life of a Christian, and in the life of a non-Christian, life is just a series of crises. David has fought the battles, made the land truck home, loss of all his property and his family, and now is blamed for being the reason for the loss. He's having a bad day, he is. But is it a time to tremble or to trust? Is it a time for fear or faith? I was laid off one time in my life. I don't know why I was laid off. Because I was, I felt so rejected. I had worked hard. They laid me off <clears throat> to hire three guys to do my job, which made less money than I was making, all three of them. <clears throat> and I, 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 I was just destroyed emotionally. That I that that I I, I was laid off. I, I had been rejected, and I had a terrible time with that. Well, I want you to know, there more goes into that than just somebody handing a pink slip and saying goodbye. There's a lot of rejection and a lot of emotions that goes through, and I want you to know today. I was probably laid off 70, no, 65 years ago, just so I know how you feel. And I do know how you feel. I had little kids run around the house. I had house payments and I had car payments. And I was working from week to week and I was trying to make a living for my family. And all of a sudden, wham, everything's gone. Distress. Friends have disappointed some of you. They didn't do it intentionally, they didn't do it belligerently. But things like that happen. The Bible said offenses will come. You cannot help but offending folks. We must be cautious, must be careful. It's not our intent to hurt somebody, but we do it. None the same, none the day. I bet there's folks here tonight knows exactly how David felt. David's having a bad day. Is it time to praise or pout? Uh, I can't really praise God when I've just gone through it. Hey, 
it's better than pouting. Could I give you a definition of depression? You ready? Some of you don't look like you're ready. The definition of depression is an internal temper tantrum. You're doing to yourself what you'd like to do to somebody else, but you're too good a Christian. And you're letting the anger and the hostility and the hurt just eat you alive. Now, David could have done that. David could have sat down in the corner and said, No, I've done nothing to deserve all of this. I think I'll just sit down in the unpack for a while. And every time somebody comes by, I remind them, and I got sackcloth and ashes on. Look what happened to me. can do what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. My potential is exactly what God can do. If God gave me the houses to begin with, God can do it again. Only do a better job this time. He encouraged himself in the Lord. What is it that God cannot do? That's got you so whooped up about I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you know anything God can't do? I'm not getting many amens. Do you know anything God cannot do? And those friends that no longer are there, can God replace them with real friends? With friends who will love you and pray for you. Come on now, can you say amen? And may I say to you, you don't pout, you learn to pray. You don't fear, you live by. Is anybody here? Amen. Amen. Well, from the looks of some of your faces, I must have guessed right tonight. (laughs) If you're married, you've got problems. Yeah. If you're married, you've got problems. If you're a Baptist, you've got a bunch of problems. But if you're a Baptist, you're a great, big, wonderful God. And David said, if I can slay a giant, if I can slay 10,000 to solve 1,000, then bless God, I am not an answer. I am more than a conqueror through the God that loves me and died for me. So turn that frown upside down, Baptist. It ain't so bad after all. Because we got a great big 
wonderful God. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. This morning, I encourage myself in the Lord. And I just read some things. Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the sway of sinners, but his delight is in the law of love, and in his love doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be planted like a tree by the middle of the rivers that shall bear fruit in due season. Alas, this morning before I ever sort of encourage myself in the Lord. It's a lot better than Fox News. David knew something that evidently Moses and Elijah and Jonah had forgotten that God was not dead. And that regardless of what your situation is, God's right there with you in the big middle of it. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I've got to hurry. Because if I don't, I'm going to pass out. And it'd be terrible to scare some of you folks to death. Say, <laughs> he died right in the pulpit. Let me give you three things. Quickly, because you need them. I need them. It's difficult today for husbands and wives to have a harmonious, godly relationship. Everything's pulling against it. The devil and all of his imps in the world and everybody is trying to break up biblical marriage and relationship. The materials of our body have us believing. They have the answer. What we need is more education. And get better education. What we need to do is to feed more money into our educational system. Today, money is the cure for all ills. But I got news for you. The love of money. the root of all evil. If there's problems in the home, there's 90% chance that money's involved. 95% of all the problems that comes to my office, you can always put them under two categories. Females, I know bedroom in the bank. I don't have to learn to be a psychologist to help a family. I just got to get 
the bedroom, and the bank right. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. What are they talking about to you when they come for your advice? Oh, you're not giving any. You know why? Because you don't have any. Amen, Reverend. Let me give you three things quickly. And you don't have to get to where Moses was. You don't have to ever get where Jonah was. You don't ever have to get where Elijah was. And you don't ever have to get to the place in your life where you look at God and say, it's enough. The first thing you've got to do is shun discouragement. David didn't sit around and kneel over what has taken place. David did not go through all the things and he did not ignore the situation hoping that it would go away. He didn't feed and nurture and nurse himself into becoming discouraged. He just refused to live below the circumstances and so he said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I have a choice whether I want to live depressed or not. Booker T. Washington said, no man is able to force me so low as to make me hate him. There's hate in this church. Christian hate, of course. Godly, loving hate. Washington said, hating somebody is like burning down the house to get rid of rats. No rats, but no house. How silly to sit around and lean over in your mind all the reasons you got for not going on. How silly that is. David said, man, I'm a winner. You don't see any giant slayers under the table fear that they're going to turn his lights off. You don't see David under the table shaking in fear because somebody's talking about him. He's the giant slayer. He's the guy after God's own heart. He's the one who slew tens of thousands. So David just made a decision. I'm not going to get discouraged. Amen. Life is made of choices. Amen. Realize he had something himself to do. Well, I've been praying about it. No, just get on with it. You don't understand what happened to me when I was a kid. My daddy kicked my dog. So I've been protecting dogs all my life. I was scarred when my daddy kicked my dog. Go buy another dog. Get out of it. 
Thought you were just old crow. Just build a bridge and get over it. Well, somebody spit in my post-estate. Well, my eyes are blind the next time. Don't let your post-estate send you to hell and get you destroyed. That's how you're going to quit. Find the power. Just change my ends. Amen. Do something. You do something. It's not everybody's responsibility in the world to turn you on. Do something that will improve yourself to walk with God. That's do something. He shunned getting discouraged. I don't know anything about having reasons to get discouraged after pastoring 30 years. What else could come along? I am so thankful that you have agreed with everything I wanted to do in 30 years. I'm glad that nobody talked behind my back when I bought property and said, well, we should have voted on that. And those folks who wanted to vote, they're not here. So why should I get somebody to vote on what I'm going to do 20 years down the road when all they got to do is move their letter? Well, I could tell you about the nights I've spent in tears. I could tell you about the nights that I've spent brokenhearted and disillusioned. But those things God sends our way to make us, not to break us. You understand that? So now, after 50 almost years in the ministry, maybe I can show some young leaders some stability that we're not dependent on the horses from Egypt. Our faith is in God, and He will provide. So, the next time you get feeling low down, the next time you feel betrayed, the next time, or it may be tomorrow probably, instead of pout, why don't you just praise God? Instead of shaking with fear, why don't we just trust God by faith and encourage ourselves in the omnipotent creator God that we serve. He shunned discouragement. He wept. He cried. He hurt. But he did not sit in the valley of despondency and get discouraged. He shunned that. Secondly, when something comes your way, we should seek encouragement. No one came along to help David. So, If there's nobody else around, 
I guess that leaves the job up to me. It's awful embarrassing, honestly. When you're in a Grand, Bear, a, a Grand Prairie, there's a difference in Grand Berry and Grand Prairie, right? One you eat and the other one you build a tent in, right? It's strange what God may use in the lowest, lowest hour of our life. It's amazing the small things that God uses when it looks like the end is near. When you've lost everything, family, finances, credit, and all of your peers, when they're all gone, it's strange what God may use to turn the pout into praise. It might be a song, an unscriptural song at that, called the old ship of Zion. And when you've lost your land and your family and everything else, one day you hear a song, it's my desire. having lost houses and land. And all your plans and hopes are gone. It's amazing what little things God can use if you'll just let him. Hmm? God didn't save you to lose you. God, don't allow things come your way to break you. They come your way to make you. And there may not be anybody out around, Kevin, to encourage you. You might be the only one there. But you can always seek encouragement from the Lord. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us and died for us. <laughs> you need to shun discouragement. You need to seek encouragement. Amen? Yeah, preacher. How have you hung in there so long? Survival. That's just need to survive. We must encourage ourselves in the Lord. I'm going to close. i got three things David did. First of all, he entered into the presence of the Lord. The Bible said, in his presence is fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. 
when all you have is the Lord, you'll always find he's enough. <laughs> you always find he's enough. When everybody else is doing it, you can always expect the Lord to be coming in. Amen? Thank God David sought the presence of the Lord. You ought to do it every day. You don't need to read 50 chapters of the Word of God. Just get you a verse, hang on to it, memorize it, and just hang on to it all day long and encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen? Just encourage yourself in the Lord. I like this. My dad can whip the devil's whip the devil's crowds, Dad. Hmm? My boys used to go down the street and say, My dad, whoop your dad. I told him, You better watch that. I went down there and I saw the dad. I come back and I said, Gene, you and David better tell him your dad can whip their mama. That actually happened. I wouldn't whip the mama, but I'd have come a lot closer whooping that dad, I'll tell you that. Greater is he that is in me, he that is in the Lord, in the world. Shun bad thinking. Shun discouraging thoughts. Shun all of that. That's happened to you and all the bad they just just get it out. Put it on the blood. And seek to encourage yourself in the Lord. He sought the presence of the Lord, he prayed. Verse number eight, the Bible says very plainly, and David inclined at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this truth? And you read on and you'll see that the Lord said, David, get after them. I've done delivered them in your hands. You have no reason to get discouraged. You have no reason to get down in the dumps. And in the middle of God, get up, down, take them out. I've already given them to you. Just get after it. By the way, you're more than a conqueror. You're a winner. Because of Calvary, you're a winner. Amen. Things may be tough on this side of the river, but boy, when we get on the other side, we'll all sing the songs of Mary. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> Look what happened to Pharaoh. <laughs> Look at that. We can praise God because the battle has already been won. He sought the presence of the Lord, he prayed, and he trusted in God's promise. Verse 8 and 9 says, So David went. And the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook, well, those that were left behind stayed. You read on in the text, and David went and defeated the enemy and got his family back. Prayer meeting instead of a pity party always works better. Behind closed doors, we pray for encouragement and then obey immediately. Lastly, we should share our encouragement. Shun discouragement, seek encouragement, and then we should share our encouragement. <laughs>
I read for you in closing for the third time. Blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. How long has it been since you saw somebody that looked like they just had a train wreck? You walked up by them and said, Now, I'm sure glad you're my friend. And isn't it wonderful that me and you are saved? And I'm praying for you. Not that you might need the prayers, but I need the practice. Or do you say, you know, I bet their back said, look at the frown on her face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet their pet rock miscarried. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the problem is. The problem is that we get our comfort from the Lord, and then we share our comfort with those who needs comforting. We get our encouragement in the Lord. And then we encourage those who are in the Lord. Hmm? Who's going to encourage these young people to serve God? Tell you somebody else. I'm going to. Andrew's going to. Luke's going to. Kevin's going to. We're going to try to encourage them with the same encouragement that we've got. Kids, you don't have to be broke to be a Christian. No, you don't have to be broke. You don't have to be down in the mouth of the mullet grubs. And i got the greatest job in the world. Hmm? For nine years, I ain't been in jail one time. For nine years, I ain't had one hangover. 